focuses on how to develop, improve, and sustain thriving marriages. Our goal is to help you establish strong relationships with yourself and with those around you. I invite you today to adventure on the beauty of relationships, the joy of discovering your potentials, as well as those of your spouse. Hi, I'm Helen, Certified Master Life Coach and Certified Relationships Coach, and I'm all about relationships. Welcome to Love Unlimited. Our topic today is 10 dangerous assumptions on marriage relationships. I know that we have read very many romantic books, watched many movies about romance, and all of them tend to have a similar ending of happily ever after. So we end up thinking that all the marriages end up happily and there's always bliss and happiness and no challenges and no problems at the end of the tunnel. While that is the hope and prayer of every couple out there, most of the times it's not often, it's not always smooth sailing. There are so many things that come in the relationships that change the whole view of marriage. It's not always happily ever after. And if it is happily ever after, there is something that they always have to overcome. Does it mean that there is no happiness in marriage? No, I do not mean that. Marriages are happy. There's a lot of happiness, there's a lot of tranquility, and there's a lot of love, and there's a lot of peace in marriages. So it does not mean that there is not that but the notion that we think when we say i do that is the end of all challenges that is a misguided or a misled assumption that only happens in the fairy tales in those romance mills and bones and those barbara catland for those of us that read those books it doesn't happen in reality there is a lot of challenges in life and they come and they happen in marriages. So today we are going to look at all these things that we assume in marriage and have a look to see whether they are real or not. Isaac Asimov said that your assumptions are your windows on the world. Scrub them off every once in a while or the light won't come in. And Miguel, or is it Miguel Ruiz? who wrote about the Four Agreements, A Practical Guide to Personal Freedom, said that if others tell us something, we make assumptions. And if they don't tell us something, we make assumptions to fulfill our need to know and to replace the need to communicate. Even if we hear something and we don't understand, we make assumptions about what it means and then believe our assumptions. We all make all sorts of assumptions because we don't have the courage to ask questions. That's Miguel Ruiz. Now, with that base, I should just stop right there and go home. Why? Because these two quotes almost summarize everything I want to say about the assumptions we come carrying into our marriages. But if I do so, I guess I'll also be assuming that you know what I know and that assumption is not a good one 
My purpose is to help you make your marriage better. And I will not see that achievement if I stop talking now. And I need to really explain what I believe to be the most dangerous assumptions in a marriage relationship. And all of us, without exceptions, come to marriage with some sort of assumptions. So number one, that every marriage begins with falling in love. Isn't that so? We all believe that all marriages begin with two people falling in love. There are many marriages that are formed out of catastrophes and danger. People find themselves in deplorable states and even homelessness or even war. And in such cases, to save their lives or to save the lives of their loved ones, if they get into marriage either to the assailant or to the boss or to the gangster or whoever is assailing or whoever is abusing them to avoid murder. And in such cases, marriage is not out of love. It is out of fear. There is seldom a chance to fall in love in that case. Another situation is arranged marriages. In arranged marriages, there is no room for falling in love. You can fall in love after you've gotten married, not before. People marry because they've been told to and they don't even know the person they marry. So because they don't know that person, they just marry and that's it. They fall in love, good. If they don't, well, life goes on. People marry not just because they love each other. Others marry for security purposes, out of cultural practices, and sometimes when they have no option. So not every married couple you see walking around in your neighborhood is a couple that fell in love. I have a friend, one particular friend who told me that they had an arranged marriage and right now I think they've been married for about 18 years with her spouse. She never fell in love with him, but she has three children with him. I asked her, do you love the guy? No, she doesn't know what is to fall in love, but he's the father of her children. Number two, happily ever after is not guaranteed after wedding or honeymoon. One of the most beautiful parts of a marriage is the ceremony itself, the exchanging of vows and the honeymoon soon thereafter. That is blissful. It is so beautiful. The outside does not change with your changing in the marital status. Remember that. When you come from your honeymoon, your boss is still the same boss. Your job is still the same. Your debts are still the same. Your stressful environment remains the same. Wherever you are before you got married, nothing changes. However, your attitude is what guarantees the happily ever after. Joy is an inside job. It's not an outside job. It is an inside job, especially starting from the individual, not from your husband. Don't expect your husband to make you happy and keep you happy. That is a tall order. Don't expect your wife to make you happy and keep you happy. It's also another tall order. Remember, when you exchange your vows, nobody told you that one of the commitments is to keep your spouse happy. That is a personal endeavor. So happily ever after is not really a two people thing. 
it's actually an individual thing so as soon as you finish your honeymoon the grind continues the joy of marriage is uniquely between you and your spouse and if you're lucky with some of your kinsmen that joy can continue if you work at it if you don't work at it it ends with the honeymoon you come home and you start complaining you start feeling bad about issues no you have to learn to work at it number three everybody including your spouse has mood swings so don't expect your spouse to behave like an angel every time before you got married you had your own mood troubles you had your mood swings you had your stress issues and you were single when you get married it doesn't change who you are you still have the same feelings and the same stresses that come and go and your spouse also comes with his or hers and so when you meet together don't tell your wife that she's dramatic or your husband he's reclusive just because sometimes he's not reaching out to you or the other one is becoming a chatterbox mood swings are part of human being so long as they don't rule your life they happen to everyone and you should learn to handle yours and also allow your spouse to have room and space to go through his or her mood changes at this juncture, I would like to really stress the importance of personal space. Mood swings demand space and time. Don't go nagging your spouse to tell you what he or she is going through just because he feels or looks angry, tired, or moody. Allow that person space to heal, to ruminate over what is happening, and find a way to talk to you about it. I have an example of this one. Last night I had come from uh, church, I go to church on Monday evenings for some choir practice and I came home and I found my husband very, very low. He was in a somber mood and I got into the bedroom, he didn't even look up and I asked him, what's up? Is everything okay? And he answered me one word, yeah. So I thought maybe I did something wrong to make him feel that way but i didn't want to nag him to know what's happening because when he gave me that one word it means he doesn't want to be disturbed so i went away i went to the living room i went to the kitchen i did what i was doing and i let him go through whatever he was going through the next day morning that's on tuesday as we were having breakfast he opened up and told me what was in his mind and why he was feeling low it had absolutely nothing to do with me it was a call that he had received from home from his mother and things that are happening at home that had made him feel bad it had absolutely nothing to do with me imagine what would have ensued if i thought that i was the one who was the cause and tried to follow that route that would have even made him worse made him angrier it is good to sometimes let your spouse pose think digest and gather the positive energy he or she needs to share with you what is going on in their mind number four just because you sleep together live in the same house and share a dream does not give you permission to make decisions on your relationship without consulting each other always consult discuss research question before making decisions affecting 
both of you. Don't assume that it will be okay to act first and then ask later. It is not only dangerous, but could bring your young relationship or marriage to some unexpected storms. Talk things through. Always. Don't just go out and do things in a limbo. You're no longer single. You're not the master of the family single-handedly. No, you are a team. If it is a surprise gift or something, an investment surprise, that's okay. But if, if it is about family planning issues, financial issues that need both of you to be in it, please discuss. Number five, in-law issues. <laughs> His family is your family and vice versa. Yes, his family is your family and vice versa. I know most people like to pretend that this is one part of your spouse's life you can do without. Uh, yes and no. Most of the times, whether you like it or not, your spouse is a product of that family and he or she carries the features, the characteristics, the innate, the things that he has learned from those people that you have come to know because of your marriage. Your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, if you're lucky to have both of them, the sisters-in-law, most of the time they grew up together and you'll find that the things you see in your spouse, you're most probably going to see in the family. And sometimes, of course, there's always that one poisonous in-law who is always the black sheep in the family. It's good to know that they are there. It's good to acknowledge that they, they, are, they pose a challenge, but you should not kick them out and put them at an arm's length, lock them out of your life. Because if you'll ever have children, they will want to have uncles, aunties, grandpa and grandma. And it is important for them to grow up together unless there's some form of abuse involved and you feel that your children could be at risk. In that case, I would encourage that you keep away. But if it is just normal disagreements, every family in this planet has one of those or two of those. We all disagree and we have issues we don't agree on. Even me and my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, we had issues that we don't agree on. And the same with my mother and my husband. You, there are things you don't agree on, but that does not mean you don't talk, you don't relate. You still relate. Keep your distance, keep your respect, and you're good to go. So don't deny your husband or your wife the relations that are important for your marriage and your family. Number six, mikasa esukasa. There are shared problems and challenges that you will need to handle as a couple. Those are your problems together. But there are other issues that are entirely individual and your spouse will not want you to help or to be part of it. For instance, women gossip. Sometimes this gossip brings chaos among the women folk, the friends. And some women try to bring in their husbands into this drama. I would highly discourage that. If you're gossiping and you're falling out with your friends, don't put your husband in it. Let him stay away. The same with men. Whatever men are going through among each other, it's their stuff. Don't bother going into it if you're the wife. Although mikasa is your casa, there's a limit. Don't assume that your wife's problems are all yours and your husband's problems are all yours. Not often. And even as I talked on number five about family, there are family challenges that only 
the member of that family can handle. When you get married into that family, you cannot handle that. So there are things that you have to step away or step back and let your spouse deal with them. Number seven, if you don't say it, your spouse is not an angel, does not do divinity, will not read your behavior to understand what you are going through. If you don't say it, the assumption is it doesn't exist. Even though women, we are very good at this. We are very good at behaving, banging stuff, mumbling, looking angry. And we think that our spouses will understand and read our behavior by the way we are clanking things around the house that we are angry. But even if we are angry, what are we angry at? Does your husband understand that you're angry because you got a bad day at work or he forgot to bring you a rose on your birthday? No. So you need to say it. And I cannot emphasize enough on the importance of expressing your feelings, your thoughts, your discontentment and your contentment as well to your spouse. Say it to your spouse like you would like him or her to hear. Number eight, disagreements are part of every marriage. Even identical twins do disagree. Siblings disagree. Parents and children disagree. And your relationship with your spouse is not devoid of these lively, varying points of view and opinions. It is lively. It is not a negative thing to disagree. All people who love intellectual stimulation have points of diversion and they disagree. Even if it's not about intellectual stimulation, even emotional passion, there are so many things that any two people can disagree on. My husband and I, we've been best friends. We've known each other pretty much for over 30, holy 33 years. We've known each other for over 33 years. We've seen each other grow. We know how much each other values something. We know each other's opinions. I can almost vouch for what I say about my husband, but guess what? We still disagree on matters of principle regarding issues and we do get into heated talk about it and after that we close that chapter sometimes no one wins over the other and we agree to disagree and i tell him okay dear that's your opinion and he tells me yeah and that's your opinion so we agree to disagree yes we do okay then let's stop it there that's how we go disagreements do not necessarily mean fighting they do not necessarily mean being angry at each other they do not necessarily and absolutely they do not mean that your spouse is not supporting you it simply means they have a different way of looking at things number nine great or frequent love making means love for each other and vice versa great love making frequent love making deep love less love making or poor love making it means that your spouse does not love you i have heard people talk about it and it breaks my heart because there is absolutely no correlation between when your spouse makes love with you and how they really feel all the time no there are times when one of you is very much in the mood 
one of you is very much in the mood they want to make love and they want to have time with them but the other one is tired they've had a long day they all they want to do is sleep and so what happens one of you is up on the game the other one is down and even if they try to put you in the mood you're not in the mood does it mean that because i'm not in the mood or your spouse is not in the mood does it mean that they don't love you no it is just at that moment that things are not working out of course there are those moments when you both are in sync and you make sparks and you make explosions and explosives and that's wonderful and that's wonderful but that is not always the case as you get farther away from your honeymoon into your real life marriage situations stresses do come work overload does come children come health challenges come all these things come from the environment and you know what they do they wear you down sometimes someone however much they want they cannot rise to the occasion you can go telling your spouse because he or she can try to the occasion you say oh now you don't love me because you don't want to make love with me no give them time let them heal let them go through that stage guide them give them other methods of love it doesn't have to be sexual there are so many other ways you can still make love without the real intercourse and make your spouse feel special and appreciated and sometimes even a cuddle just a good tight cuddle is enough to turn the other person on even when they are feeling they're not in the mood so take time to nurture each other's feelings take time to develop through challenges through health issues, through stresses, and express each other's love without tying it in tandem with the feelings of love or not feeling loved. And lastly, number 10. My spouse should always put me first in his or her life. Yeah, those are the narcissists talking. I don't believe so. The first thing I asked my husband when we were dating is, what is the most important thing in his life? And I was very keen to know it because for me it was a deal breaker. If he had answered that question wrong, we wouldn't have continued. Because for me, the most important thing in any beings who believes in God is God. God is the most important thing in anybody's life because with God, when you believe in prayer and you have similar faith foundations, it becomes easier for you to follow through, even in times of challenge. And I wanted to know his relationship with his mother. At that moment, we were still dating. I asked him, what is the relationship with his mother? And he told me, my mother is very important to me. Now, ladies, here's a secret. Man, close your ears. If your spouse, your husband, or your date does not value his relationship with his mother don't think you're going to get any better treatment please walk the other way because you'll get the exact same treatment because a female is a female is a female a person who loves and respects his mother will respect his wife and will also respect his daughters your spouse who puts god first puts his his mother at a good important state there's that element of hierarchy of respect and honor if it is not that way 
you're in trouble. When your spouse tells you that you're the most important thing in his life or her life, that is only true as far as you're dating. And as long as you're dating and doing what you each of you wants. But as soon as the whirlwinds of life come and things turn, career prospects, business, travel, children, all these things come, you can be sure that truth will change. There are times when things happen in life. Sometimes business takes the center stage. Sometimes there's an ailing parent in the house. Maybe your mother-in-law or your father-in-law or a sister or a brother-in-law. There are times when the business your husband or your wife is doing is facing a challenging time. At that moment, it would be totally preposterous to ask your spouse to put you first. Really, unless you're really very ignorant and obnoxiously narcissistic. That is the time when your spouse is going through challenging times. It is the best moment in life for you to support that person. That's the best time for you not to be the center piece or not to be the center stage, but to be the best supporting person, the motivator, the moral giver, the one who supports and pushes your spouse through these hard times. But when you start saying that, oh, since your father or your mother fell ill, you never talk to me, you never even give me attention. Holy, that's not nice. Always support your spouse through hard times. Do you need to be always the center of his life? Uh, no, I, would only, I wouldn't also like to be the center of my spouse's life. That would be sort of boring. Yeah, it'll be boring because sometimes I also need my freedom and I need my space. I don't want to keep being pampered and followed all over. No, I don't. But I like to be a teammate. Sometimes I like to be a follower. Sometimes I like to be a leader. Sometimes I like to be the chief cheerleader. Sometimes I like to be the motivator. And sometimes I just don't want to be anything. So... When you think because your spouse told you you're the most important thing or the center of his life when you are dating, that is only valid until the ring is put on the finger and then things will start to change. And before I close, I'd like to say this. Remember, falling in love is very easy, but staying in love, staying happy, building the happily ever after is a team effort uniquely between you and your spouse. And assumptions have no room whatsoever in your relationship. Ask, converse, suggest, request when you're not clear about any situation. And above all, learn to listen to each other. That is the most powerful form of communication. It erases all assumptions. Thank you for taking the time to listen and learn. I would love to know what your thoughts are regarding the topic we just covered. Please leave me a feedback at hello at guruhelen.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at guruhelen.com or Twitter at guruhelen.com. Please do not forget to subscribe for more podcasts and more exciting, informative programs. To get a copy of my book, Takes Two to Tango, please visit my website at www.guruhelen.com and I look forward to seeing you in the next program. Till then, I'm Helen signing out. Peace and love y'all.